hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. So glad you could join me today. You know, first things first, I want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. I, for one, have a lot to be thankful for. I'm truly blessed to have such a great family, friends, partners I work with, my health. And on top of all that, I get to do what I truly enjoy doing every day. Hopefully, we can give you at least one idea that you can take away and research every time you tune in. That's what this show is about, giving you ideas. From there, you have to go out and you have to do your own research to see if it's appropriate for you. You just don't buy something because I like it or you heard it on the TV or read it in a magazine. Well, you know that already. Today, We're going to be covering a lot. So get ready. We'll talk about the markets. We'll catch up on one of our stocks that released earnings this week. We're even going to teach you an easy way to figure out free cash flow. I think it'll be helpful to you as a long-term value investor. You know, I was sitting here, I was perusing the news as I do every morning. And I tell you, a story came across that just made me shake my head. Elon Musk, the head of Tesla, Tesla, the man is no doubt a genius, no doubt about it. Last week, in case you missed it, Tesla announced a new roadster to its lineup. In order to get one of these bad boys, you have to plunk down a $5,000 deposit on your credit card, and then you have to wire the remaining $245,000 to them within 10 days. Now, this car reportedly goes from 0 to 60 in 1.9 seconds and has a top-end speed of 250 miles an hour. And if that weren't enough, well, Musk hinted over the weekend that an additional option might be the flying option. That's right. This car might be able to fly. This is definitely not a car I'm going to be buying for my daughter when she's able to drive. Fortunately for me, that's still a few years down the road. But unfortunately for me, in the meantime, I have to drive her everywhere she wants to go. Okay, so I sit back and I'm thinking to myself, does this pass the smell test? A flying car? I don't know. Anyway, this got me thinking about free cash flow. When I look at a company, I ask myself two questions. Is this a good business? And what price do I want to pay for it? Let's skip the first question right and get right to the second one. What price do I want to pay for a great business? You'll hear me talk about PE multiples all the time because that's what most people understand. But the first thing I really look at is the price to free cash flow. Free cash flow? Well, That's what I call the owner's earnings. Think of it like this. You bring home a paycheck and then you have certain things that you have to pay for, like your mortgage, the car, the electric bill, et cetera, the must. Now, after you pay all these, the cash you have left over is your disposable income. With businesses, it's the same thing. They have bills to pay and they have to make the necessary capital expenditures just to keep the business going. 
the amount that they have left over is what's called free cash flow. Now, with free cash flow, there's only a number of things they can do with it. They can reinvest the money back into the business through research and development. They can do mergers and acquisitions. They can pay a dividend, buy back stock, or a combination of all these. I would argue you only want to invest in companies that generate free cash flow. And the more, the better. Because if they aren't, then they're going to need to raise capital to keep the company going into the future. Figuring out free cash flow isn't that hard. I'm going to give you a simple, easy way that should suffice. You can go to a company's 10K filing with the SEC, or really just go to Yahoo Finance and look at the financials, and you'll see three things. The balance sheet, the income statement, and the consolidated statement of cash flows. That's the one That's the one that you want, the cash flow statement. Don't worry, you aren't going to need an advanced math degree to do this. So when you get the cash flow statement, you take the net income figure and you add the depreciation in amortization charges. You add this to the net income because these are accounting charges. They aren't cash expenses. When you have that, you simply subtract the capital expenditure number because businesses need to spend money to keep things going. I like to use the three or five-year average for capital expenditures because in any given year, a company might make a big investment for the future, like FedEx has done over the last several years. So I think that by using a three-year average, I get a better idea of what they're actually spending, the maintenance capital expenditures. And that's it. Net income plus amortization and depreciation minus the capital expenditures give you the free cash flow. To find out how much free cash flow a company is generating per share, well, you just find out how many shares they have and you divide. If I did this exercise for Tesla, symbol TSLA, I get a big fat negative number. First of all, They have negative net income and big CapEx charges. So you can tell right away that they aren't making money, real money. They're staying afloat by selling stock and by borrowing. Their bonds carry a B minus rating or junk status by S&P. This is about six notches below investment grade. They spend over a billion dollars a quarter. And by my calculations, they run out of money in the next six months. I'm not sending them $250,000 for a flying car to be delivered in a couple of years if they're still around. That's just my opinion. If I'm a shareholder, then I'm either going to be diluted by a new share offering or I'm going to see the company get levered even more than what it is. The real question I'm thinking to myself is, what do I see first, a flying pig or a flying Tesla? Sorry, I couldn't resist that one. We need to step away, take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to catch up on one of our favorites. This is Eric Whiteman, and we are back in a moment. You worked hard. You saved and invested along the way. 
Now you want to make sure all your hard work pays off so you can do what matters most to you, whether it's giving back to your community or ensuring a safe, comfortable retirement. It's never too late to start planning. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. If you want someone who can help you navigate the investment landscape, then please visit us at our website, xmlfg.com, or call us at 301-770-5234. Well, thank you and welcome back to today's show. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman. So glad you could join me today. If you have a question for the show, you can reach us at podcast at xmlfg.com. One more time, it's podcast, which is plural, at xmlfg.com. Let's talk briefly about the markets. I spent a good bit of time on the big picture over the last few weeks, so we're going to give it a bit of a break here until next week. If you want to catch up, you can always go back and listen to the last couple of episodes. You can get them by going to xmlfg.com, or you can find them wherever podcasts live on Apple, Google, SoundCloud, what have you. After an eight-week run higher for the markets, we spent the last two weeks taking a bit of a breather. This week is a shortened week. We'll see lighter volume as the week goes on, half day on Friday. But one of the concerns that I mentioned last week was the level of optimism that investors were showing. And to give you a brief recap, I look at sentiment indicators and I look at them as contrary indicators, meaning when they get to the extremes, you want to do the opposite of what everybody else is doing. The two that I talked about were the Investors Intelligence, the II, and the American Association of Individual Investors, the AAII. Now, for the II, the Investors Intelligence, that indicator that it, which is one that looks at the opinions of Wall Street newsletter writers. According to the II, 64% of advisors are in bullish mode. And that's the highest that it's been since 1987. And the percentage of bears is at the lowest level since mid-2015. This week, it's still about the same. But to tell you what, the AAII is completely different. For the AAII, I said last week, the score was the bulls were 41.5, uh, 45.1% versus the bears at 23.1%. And when you have twice as many bulls as bears, that's your warning sign. So we had a warning sign. Well, a complete reversal this week. The AAII went from 451 last week to 29.3 this week. And the bears had gone from 23.1 to 35.2. Seems like order is being restored here, which is positive for the markets. Some liquidity is probably building up. It seems to me that we're probably going to take a little pause here. Who knows? But I tell you, the odds of a 5 to 10% correction have increased. What I'm watching here is the credit markets. In general, credit trends tend to lead the stock market. And the difference between the two-year and the 10-year treasury 
is just 65 basis points, a little more than a half a percent, which is just about the lowest reading in 10 years. That's the new warning flag. That's saying that the bond market is less optimistic about the future. Remember, when the yield curve inverts, meaning long rates are lower than short-term rates, that signals a possible recession. I don't think that happens over the next year, but we'll keep watching. For now, stay conservative, stay value-oriented, and focus on answering the two questions. Is this a great business? And what price do I want to pay? I'd say buy good businesses and buy them when they're inexpensive. Now, let's circle back to the free cash flow discussion we were having. Lowe's, symbol L-O-W, it's trading about $80. Reason I bring up Lowe's is because they reported earnings this week. And I'll tell you what, they're pretty darn good. Earnings per share came in at $1.05, which was about three cents better than what analysts were expecting. But I think shareholders weren't surprised because Home Depot reported good earnings last week. They had really good comps, which were up 5.7%, driven by hurricane-related sales. The thing that stood out to me was the performance of the pro segment, and that's the one that sells to the contractors. Home Depot has long dominated that segment for forever, and it seems like Lowe's may be catching up here. Lowe's also reaffirmed their full year's earnings guidance coming in between 442 and 452. If they earn what they say they'll earn this year, it means they're trading at about 17 times this year's earnings. Looking out to next year, my guess is that they earn about $5.10. Now, if that's the case, then the stock is trading at about 15 times next year's earnings. That's a big discount to the market and near the low of of its 15-year average. This is for a company that's been growing their earnings at about 18% per year for the last five years on average. So let's look at free cash flow. By my math, Lowe's has generated more than $4.5 billion in free cash flow so far this year. And they've returned more than $4 billion of that back to shareholders through stock buybacks and dividends. At about $80, the company is paying about a 2% dividend. And over the last five years, they bought back darn near 25% of the shares outstanding. They have a strong balance sheet, predictable earnings, and I'd be a buyer under $48. Well, I'll tell you, that's about all we have time for today. Again, have a great Thanksgiving. We'll be back next Wednesday with fresh ideas. And until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. 
No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.